welcome to Forever Canon, the podcast where we talk about the rise and fall of Jason Solo and the importance of communicating with your family. I'm Justin. I'm Tim. And this week, we're going to talk about book three of Legacy of the Force, Tempest, chapters five through eight. But first, bum bum bum. Previously on Forever Canon... Alema poisons Jason's brain buddy and Solo's love Gedgen. Where are mom and dad going? And Zek, you're not my boyfriend. Luke versus Ben in Jedi Thunderdome. And Jaina makes a furry new friend. But that was last week. This week, we start with chapter five. And as we mentioned last time, there is no insert, excerpt, intro, wantro, startup. Pull start. Pull start. <laughs> there is no such thing. There's in, no pull start. There, Troy Denning has no pull starts for his chapters. We just drop right in to Han and Leia with 3PO, as preferred by us, waiting in the Queen Mother's Special Salon, aka superbly opulent waiting room in her palace, featuring, of all things, a giant analog grandfather clock. They're so rich that you buy pre-technology decorations. That's how rich you are. Yes. You go in into the history of living things and you've already bought all the technology. You already have all the best technology, all the best new stuff. So your decorations are historical relics. We are in the palace. Yes, we are. Welcome to frivolous nature of the of the rich <laughs> <laughs> the grandfather clock and it's tick-tocking is making han want to smash driving han he's crazy. going bonkers they've been waiting a while seven hours yeah i'd be upset it's a little while and that's about when leia pipes up han's going over to smash the grandfather clock i think he grabs an end table yeah and leia who had been sitting on the floor meditating, opened her eyes. That clock is worth more than the Falcon. A lot more. Yeah, and it's noisier too. <laughs> Love that. Love that, Hanalea. Love that back and forth, man. That's a good one. That's a good one because as much as Han would never usually admit his ship is noisy, yeah, when he's using it to make his own point, he will absolutely he will uh, make fun of his ship i like that i actually laughed so hard at that one <laughs> yeah and it's noisier too boom <laughs> roasted yeah. i don't know i laughed out loud by myself like an idiot reading a star wars book i thought that was just gold so i wanted to make sure we got that in there how is their banter so good though i don't know across writers you know across writers han and leia are like guaranteed they're guaranteed gonna have good banter yeah. and with 3po too like han han's telling 3po to spit it out and he's like droids don't salivate <laughs> i'm yeah. sorry sir droids don't salivate yeah but i can tell you that blah 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 blah, blah. i'm like that's great like like we said last time like they have their own each they have their own dynamic with them yeah as you do in real relationships like that's what's so good about it if you have a group of three people 
those three people have different relationship dynamics between each of them individually and between them in, in a two on one kind of sense. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the two of us I, I have feelings about this. It's just written in such a, so much depth in a real way, even with robots. Yeah. I mean, God, 3PO has been around since the beginning, but nonetheless, turns out they've been waiting for seven hours because Tenel Ka told Gedjin she was too busy today and don't send anybody. Some kind of royal sexy man auction ball or something going on. Yeah, something like that. They're trying to find out who is, uh, who's, uh, Hapes Consortium's got talent. Yeah. Try, uh, by talent, they mean hot man meat. Yeah. Who's the most handsome man? And they're going to auction them off or something or, or vote on it. It's like a beauty pageant, I guess. Yep. So the question is, why did Gedjin send them anyways? They figure out, probably, to set us up to take the blame for Tanoka's murder today when the palace is full of sexy Flandra strangers. Oh, no. It's a coup that they don't want to do. Pretty picky about their murders. Yeah. We're only going to kill politicians we want to kill. We're not going to get tricked into killing politicians that we like. We draw a hard line there. I mean, wow. I mean who doesn't? As you would. <laughs> who doesn't, right? Uh, I don't know. I, I probably would too. But I knew. I was saying this two episodes ago, I think in the review. I knew that Gedgen was up to something, man. I knew he was being a sneaky little sneak. Yeah. And so did yeah. Wedge. And so did Han with his hut breath comment. And here they are, right in the middle of the set, the setup. They're going to take the blame for whatever happens today. Turns out you can't tell anybody about the other coup we did. If I kill you in the middle of this one, says uh, that's Gedgen's plan. <laughs> so, you know, everything's all good for him. Han says Tenelka is practically a daughter. Damn, they really are close. Yes, they are. Practically a daughter. And I don't even think he knows about... I don't think anybody knows about Jason and her. So, no. they have to slice their way out of this room. They're being kept in perpetual waitment to be placed on blamement and arrestment. It's a whole trap. It's a whole thing. What they're going to do is break out of this room and break into the palace deeper and save their friend. Got to go BRB. Hmm. Trip, trip a guard, suck them through the door. Here's 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 one thing. Um, they trick the guard into the room or whatever. They trip him. Leia takes out two guards by herself and then ties them up while Han is smashing a dude's face into the ground and elbowing him in the back of the head, stomping, doing anything he can to knock this guy out. Brutal, vicious, <laughs> yeah. nasty. I bet you he looked a lot like Boba Fett's daughter did by the time Han was done smashing his face into the ground. Hypocrite. <laughs> yes. I'm going to keep coming back to that because I thought that was kind of ridiculous. In the last book, when Han and Leia were all upset that John, John, Jason battered. So I said Han. That's why. Okay. <laughs> so it wasn't J O H N. It was J H A N that just came out of my mouth. Okay. Get okay. it right. But nonetheless, Swedish. hypocrite, man. He was, they just gave Jason such a hard time about battering this bounty hunter who was hired to kill their whole family and killing her. And what do they do? Every chance he gets, he's trying to kill somebody or brutally smashing an innocent guard's face into the ground. Repeatedly, until he's unconscious, just to save himself. When he knows, his wife has the force. 
Okay, so his instincts are, I'm going to smash, 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 smash. The clock, 3PO, whatever. This man's <laughs> facing in the ground. But Leia, just like with the Force, nicely takes care of her two dudes. This guy is going to be battered and bruised and beaten to hell. Yep. Hypocrite. Okay. He, he didn't kill him, though. No. And he was armed. But he could have. But he, Accidentally. But he was armed, too. Hey, let me tell you this. This book was written at a time, I find where we didn't know anything about brain trauma really yet, as we do now 10 years, 12 years later, right? Where if you smash somebody's head into a marble floor 10 or 12 times, as he did here, <laughs> you're probably going to be brain damaged and hurt for life. <laughs> That's very true. Okay. That's true. So hypocrite. <laughs> I mean, brutally attacks that guard. Anyways. I'm just trying to show the other side. I know. Hey, listen. I'm just saying. This guy. I'm not having it. Han is a hypocrite. Which, I guess he kind of always has been, right? Like, that's part of this thing. Is like, do as I say, not as I do, and don't follow me. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. That whole, whole I'm kind not of a thing. good role model. But all, all of the dialogue in this entire scene and chapter. Go read it. Go read this whole chapter. It's great. All the dialogue is great. Yeah. It's it's literally just a whole scene of the three of them sitting in a waiting room. Yeah. Until the last minute where they sucker a couple of guards unconscious. But like Han and Leia, Han and 3PO, Leia and 3PO, they all have their own relationships and and, and di- personality dynamics. And it's freaking great, man. If I could have a whole book of just 3PO, I would. Chapter six. Jason and Ben having a air quotes private conversation on the street after dark yep i say air quotes private because apart from the uh other two spies alema has spotted uh aside from herself nobody else is listening <laughs> yeah um alema has spotted lumaya watching and so is master Tresina lobi of the jedi order now we haven't heard anything about her but she is a uh she's an alien a tough alien she's a chev yeah i don't know we're about to find out. Don't worry about it. Kind of a funny dynamic with these three spies, though, is like you have a spy from the light side, Master Lobi. You have a spy from the dark side, Lumaya. And you have a spy from the gray middle, uh, Alema, who claims to be interested in the balance. So, like, you kind of got all your bases covered where every side of the puzzle who would not, who, who Jason and Ben wouldn't want listening to this, everybody's listening. Yeah. Every side of it. Good side, bad side, middle side. Everybody's listening to it. And it's kind of funny that all powerful Jason can't sense these people. You know? I mean, I guess they're, obviously they're using force techniques, but like, can't he feel people using the force? I don't know. This seems. Uh, I find anybody sneaking up on Jason to be a little hard to believe. Yeah, a little bit. I think the least likely. To not be spotted would be Alema. Like, yeah, I think she's the most legit. But then again, we don't know anything about Master Lobi either. So yeah, but Alema describes her just as a blur. Yeah. You know? So Ben and Jason are talking about Ben sparring with Luke. How's it going? Blah blah blah. Jason says he's trying to make you show dark emotions. Don't. Don't let him trick you. Don't let him sucker you into showing him that you're on a bad path where he can take you off that path. Because that's all he wants. They focus mainly on Jason telling Ben. Jason tells him this several times. He's strong enough. Ben is strong enough to use both sides of the force. 
just like Jason. Not all the Jedi are. And uh, Ben here too mentions Jason teaching him how to use his emotions. Yeah. He mentioned, just mentions it in passing. They don't elaborate on it. What do you think he's talking about? Do you think he's talking about like sparring with his dad? Like presenting false controlled emotions or something like that? Like what do you think he means? Yeah, I'm thinking he's talking about like using your emotions like the Jedi are all about peace and no emotion, but using them for good, like your anger, your Yeah, that's a good point. annoyance, your frustration. Yeah, that would make a lot of sense. I'd be right in line with like Jason's uh, path that he's walking. Yeah, use them, don't let them Don't use be afraid you. of your emotions. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Have them, use them even if they are uh, labeled negative. Yeah. Don't you're strong enough to use your negative emotions for good. Ha. That's pretty good. <laughs> now that we break that down, I like that. But if you remember back to the sparring, there was something where Luke mentioned that the kid felt almost too calm. Yeah. So I wonder if that's part of it. That's what made me think of what I, of what I was saying where like is he putting on a front of his emotions because he's almost too calm? Is he projecting that through the force? But then wouldn't the Grandmaster pick up on that? Like, I find that the Force is very flaky in in its consistency. Yeah. Of what you can detect or how far you can detect or how uh, accurately you can detect feelings, emotions, the Force being used or drawn on. Yeah. I don't know. It's kind of inconsistent. I think at at times, like, when, like, with... Um, ben and Luke sparring in the last in the last episode there. Yeah. It he was looking for the negative. Yeah. He wanted to see if he would reach into his anger or frustration yes. or how quickly he would. So if he didn't feel any of those negatives, he wouldn't be looking for anything else. Maybe. I guess, yeah, maybe. Uh, it all depends on focus. I guess. Well, Ben is focused. Focused on going to catch some more terrorists with the GAG. Yep. So he heads off. And Lumaya pops out of the bushes a la Homer Simpson to tell Jason what a good job he is doing manipulating his cousin. But Jason does not like that. Nope. It will also make him your servant if you use it wisely. That's not what I want for my cousin, Jason said, sounding slightly disgusted. What you want doesn't matter, Lumaya retorted. What you need does, and you need an apprentice. I need an assistant. They banter back and forth here about yep. are you being genuine to your your path or are you letting your emotions cloud your judgment, Mr. Jason Solo? And this part here is really the most we've heard him talking about protecting his family or caring for his family in a long time. Yeah. In a long time. It's been a lot of just him being Freaking ruthless. Yeah, vicious. But now back at the, coming to the beginning of this book, we're getting reminded again that, like, he does care about his family. He says, like, all he, he wants to avoid needless pain and, and, and destruction for his family, specifically, over other people. Yeah. Which, again, it's not... That's just him rationalizing himself, like, his own... Yeah. His motivations where they're not, you're not being true to the path that you say you are. You're not. When we left him at the end of the last book, he was ready to kill his wife and daughter. Yes, he was. 
And now he's not willing to say that he is manipulating his cousin. Yeah, he's kind of flip-floppy. So, kind of incongruent the way that that's being presented there, but it is it is still nice to have this reminder that, like, he's not touched back on base. He's not a complete monster. No. Like, he is trying to do good. He's trying to protect his family, the people yeah. that he loves, by creating a stable galaxy, right? Minimizes needless damage to his family. So, of course, I mean, as you would if you're Lumaya, this is, she commits his or questions his commitment. Are How committed are you? Are you freaking around with your emotions? Are you screwing me? What, what are we doing here? And at this point, Jason mentions Tahiri Vela as a possible apprentice. And Lumaya doesn't like that. But for the listeners out there, Tahiri Vela is... Little bro Anakin's girlfriend. Mm-hmm. She was his girlfriend back in the new Jedi Order days before he blew up. And I don't mean like got famous. I mean, literally took so much of the force into himself that he exploded like a nuclear bomb. I wonder if she'll show up at some point. Wink. <laughs> <laughs> but as Jason and Lumire are having this conversation... There's still somebody in the bushes. Alema is still watching. Alema's admiration for the woman was growing by the moment. Jason Solo wasn't easy to deceive. And she was using Jason's own idealism to destroy him and his family. Delightful. Finally. I am so glad that she sees it. This is what I've been saying. I've been wondering this all along. Is she presenting this Sith prophecy to Jason as an ultimate revenge on Luke Skywalker and his entire family? Yeah. That's what Alema thinks. She definitely does. Maybe we were right. I don't know. I, man, I sure think so. Because it all just seems way too convenient otherwise. That Lumaya should be the one to train Jason in in his Sith mastery. That Lumaya should be the one to bring it to his attention and pull him to the dark side in the first place. That Lumaya is the one behind the scenes with the Force visions, generating events and putting things into motion before she even pulls Jason to the dark side. Yeah, I find it all a little convenient that... You know, it's just to serve the galaxy and 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 the force and 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 prophecy and the future and balance and all that. Not at all self-serving revenge against the man who nearly killed me and uh, broke my heart and so on and so forth. I would never yeah. think of such revenge like that. No. At this point, Jason asks Lumaya to do one thing for him tonight: kill the rest of the Bothans on my list. Starting with Ambassador Remois. The world brain is dead, he says. And I can't trap all the terrorists trying to kill it if they find out it's dead. Kill the Bothans. Kill the leak. Can't let that information get out. So kill every Bothan you can find tonight, please and thank you. Assuming that it's Bothans, too. Mm-hmm. He just assumed. Let's go on... Uh, uh, and it was Alema. Yeah. 
you know, he, he zapped her with force lightning. She fell. Lumaya pulled him off that trail. And did she do that on purpose? I don't think she knew that it was a lemma up yeah. there, but I bet you she knew it wasn't Bothans. Yeah. Or at least that somebody it was there. could have not been, you know? And is this then again, her, like her machinations to push the war further into effect to, you know, entrench Jason deeper into the government and the military and all that stuff. Is that, uh, how many strings is this woman pulling, man? Yeah. She seems to know a lot about a lot and is controlling, but again, I'm going to say it, a lot. Yeah, <laughs> a lot, a lot. A lot, a lot, a lot. <laughs> I don't know, but she's like a genius and, and really an amazing character. I think it's pretty great. And this is at this point, Alema sees Master Lobi sending a Morse code message tapping into her microphone. Yep. J- something about Jason Solo, something about Sith, something about Lumaya is dot, dot, dot. And then, no, the balance. Jason must fall to the dark side. And Alema ignites her lightsaber and attacks Master Lobi. Tell you what, Lobi's strong, though. Alema thought this was going to be an easy fight. She ends up getting her ass kicked. She's getting her ass beat until Lumaya joins in, tipping the balance. With her whip. Though she loses a robot arm herself, between... Alema's lightsaber in Master Lobi's stomach. Lumaya's whip taking her legs off. Yeah. And Alema's final decapitation. Master Lobi is dead, laying on the ground between the two dark women. I like, as much as Alema is, um, like she calls it balance, but it's revenge. Mm-hmm. She's not cruel about it. Lobi's sitting there. She's going to die. She's right. like, no need to suffer. Slice. Yeah. Done. Quick Over. death. Easy death. I like it. Cut your head off. The dead body between the two of them, Lumaya, looks across and asks her, do I know you? Not yet. Alema knelt beside Lobi's headless body and rolled it over, then removed the recording rod from the Chev's belt and tossed it to Lumaya. But we hope you will let us serve you. What you are doing with Jason is so delicious and so right for the balance. She's a creep. She's so creepy. I love it. She's great. How's this little team up? What do you think about the potential of this little team up here? Alamarar, serve the balance, hate the solos, sneak in the shadows, teaming up with Lumaya behind Jason's back. I think... That it, it would be good, um, like, in the short term for Lumaya. Mm-hmm. But uh, Lemma's not her style. She's too unstable. She's, I was That was exactly the word I was going to say. She's unstable. She's unpredictable. And if we're talking about this puppet master, like, if she is this puppet master that we think, yeah, that's more a yeah. tool to be used and discarded. But I love it. Let's, yeah. te- let's team these creepy darkies up, man. Could definitely be dangerous in the short term well one of them wants revenge aka doesn't on luke and the other one wants revenge aka balance against leia yeah so that's kind of a nice foil to put uh luke and leia back in the same page and maybe on the same team if they're being attacked and hunted by the same people or something like that that could be a cool little uh, uh narrative tool but 
I especially like the idea of them teaming up behind Jason's back. Yeah. I like that uh, Jason and Lumaya's relationship is already pretty tenuous, like untrusting. Yeah. And so if she's going to go behind his back and start, uh, you know, whatever, doing other things that he doesn't know about, he's not going to be having that. No, it's not going to. It's not going to jive with his style, which is know everything and do everything myself. Yep. Very interesting team up. Chapter seven. Han and Leia are searching the palace for Tenel Ka. When they come to a waiting room just outside the royal apartments. A waiting room that contains dozens of potential dates for the queen to take to the ball. They're hanging out in like, they say it's a waiting room, but it sounds more like a casino. Yep. They're like, there's games of Dejaric going on and there's betting and there's Sabak and there's whatever, whatever. It sounds like a casino waiting room, which it's a Bad over room. the top opulent palace. So yeah. maybe it is. I don't know. But do you remember back when C-3PO said the influx of strangers for the ball would be a security threat and would be a perfect time to sneak assassins in? Well, that little golden face was right. <laughs> Golden face. face. Leia spots the assassin in the crowd. How? They don't say how. In the force, maybe? Yeah. I don't know. They don't say how. They're just like, Leia knew it was that person. And she looked at that person, and that person nodded at her. And then shit went ballistic. Yeah, it. they don't mention anything about it right here at this moment. But yeah. they do in a little bit. Yeah, it does. Well, it makes sense from from the assassin side, but it doesn't make sense what drew Leia's attention to that specific. Like they don't lay it out, so it must be like feeling her resolve and intent in the Force, or feeling her looking for Leia. Maybe that's yeah, what it was. Maybe. She felt her eyes on Leia because, like like you said, we find out later later this assassin thinks that they're supposed to team up. Yeah, and. And Leia says in a couple pages well, here that... we'll get to that. We'll get to that after. But just at this point, I don't know. They don't explain what they're looking for. Or, or, or I mean, how or how, how she how uh, yeah, knows she just, what she's looking at when she sees this person. And all hell breaks loose. Groups of, people, groups of people start wheeling around white throwing knives. Yeah. Out in space. Lasers be damned. Sure. The Kill all the knives. guards in moments. The guards are all dead instantly. Gone. Then it's Leia's turn to be a badass lightsaber killer. She carves some up, carves up some of these traitor guards with like a whirlwind lightsaber spinning jump. She crushes some with some antique armor that's on the wall. Once again, you decorate with history. Yep. Probably very expensive. She takes down two or three guys for every one that Han shoots, which is, again, he must love and hate that at the same time. You know, like he must really love it. He'll blame it on the blaster because it's not his. Yeah, that's for sure. And then uh, this is when other Hapen guards show up. Guards that are loyal to Tenelka, not knife throwing traitors. And they start firing on Han and Leia because they have no idea what's going on here. Yeah, they have no idea what's happening. They didn't see. They don't know. Everybody weapons. Get them. The only people that saw are dead. Yeah. Other than Han and Leia. So they start shooting at them. And Han shoots down. They describe this massive chandelier hanging in, in like the foyer between the waiting room and the stairs to the royal apartments. And it's like 
the size of this massive room. Yeah. And he shoots it down. It shoots down the chandelier on top of a bunch of guards. Probably a trillion dollar chandelier. Yeah. Probably. And he well, just uses it to crush some people. Yeah, it's so huge that he's using a power blaster. Yeah. And it takes him like a handful of shots to get it down. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. It takes like three or four shots. And as it comes down, smashes on top of the loyal guards. The assassin that Leia spotted before shows up to save them. Yep. And she gives them the Terminator line. Come with me if you want to live. Yeah, that's the first thing I thought. Which, of yeah, I was, I was like, like, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can get behind that. That's fun. It's just fun. Whatever. Yeah, just throw it. Yeah, throw just it be there. about it. Han and Leia glance at each other for like a moment before nodding and running off with her. What's going on here? Nobody seems to know what's going on. Han still had no idea what was happening here, but it was growing more and more apparent that nobody else did either. <laughs> and when that happened, the only rule became survival by any means possible. I'm glad it's not just me that has absolutely no idea what's going on here because this turned into a shit show in a heartbeat. Yeah. And now here's Han again on the run in some giant palace slash complex after an assassination attempt on the leader. And here he is on the run with some other assassin that he's never teamed up with before. What in the hell is going on? The assassin, as we mentioned, seems to have confused her facts. She thinks that they are on her side for some reason. Yep. And Han and Leia decide to roll with it. And not a bad plan. Well, at the time, yeah. True. It has repercussions uh, le- later on in a few moments. Like, but but it is not a bad plan. Like, if you want to find out what the hell happened, you can't kill her. You can't no. capture her because she's too powerful or whatever. Uh, be like, yeah, yep, same team. You're right, same team. Yeah. And then they tell her. The only way we're going to get out of this is to escape in the Falcon. And I'm hoping that they're probably going to trap this fool. Uh, that would be that would be the smart plan. It would be the smart plan. Now, here's what I don't like about Han and Leia. As much as we've talked about what's great about Han and Leia, all their back and forth, all their banter, wonderful. Their narrative so far seems so directionless. Oh, yeah. They just seem to be falling like into falling into con- confusing situation after confusing situation where they're teaming up with strange allies that maybe it doesn't really make sense that they would Durgedjin, Boba Fett. Now this assassin. Yep. It's just the whole thing is so fly by the seat of their pants. I'm having a hard time buying into it. Uh, like from a suspension of disbelief yeah. standpoint where like I get it. Their, their loyalties are divided so many times over that like they can't pick the right thing and they just get, they're kind of caught up and swept up in the whole tidal wave of this war that's just pushing everybody along really so maybe they're like they're just like a microcosm of that or maybe it's it is a, a, supposed to be a, a purposeful reflection of like how complicated their loyalties are that every time they go to do something, the wires get crossed and they end up switching teams or halfway switching teams or well, teaming I, up with people that you don't think they would. I think part of this is they they haven't yet to make other than 
like the first book when they were when they were lying to Luke and like all over the place. Yeah. They haven't made their own decisions. They've, They've someone been doing has, things for yeah, everybody else. Someone said, "Hey, you should go do that." All right. You're right. Ever since that first when they're like Han's like, uh, we got to go to Corellia and see what we can do or whatever. Yeah, they haven't decided. They walked to into do a meeting with Dirk Edgen and they've been doing whatever the hell he said for the last two and a fifth books. Yep. Huh. Why? Yeah. That's just not following them around. That's not really like a great narrative for the parents of. Maybe. Does it also serve the function of removing them so far from Jason? Like, yeah. politically, physically. Yeah. Like, you know, out of sight. Yeah, not out of mind, but out of reach. It what? could be, could be that, could be that they they truly just don't know what to do, so they're mm-hmm. just taking maybe the but, best option available. But how is their plan not stick with our family and team up with our family? Yeah, how is the plan not? Well, let's reflect on why it's not because. Every time Han and Luke were in the same room, they started screaming at each other over who's right in the war and who's wrong. In the yeah, and this was before anything even really happened. And that was why they ran away and didn't tell anybody in the first place. And so now, like they've been missing for like who knows how long, like weeks. <laughs> Luke has no idea what they're what they've been up to. That they've overthrown a government, thrown another one into instability now, or at least not thrown it, but they're in the middle of the whole fracas, fracas. Yeah. For for me, how it feels with Han and Leia um, so far in the books is they're just kind of in the books because they are Han and Leia. Yeah. Like, they're not... They haven't been given anything to do anything. yet. They haven't... Well, but how can I say they haven't been given anything to do when they literally assassinated the president yeah. of Corellia? But, like, it just doesn't feel genuine to them, to their characters and yeah and their sensibilities and all that yeah just abandoning your son when he's turning to the dark side does not seem like a leia organa move when your dad was darth vader no absolutely not so like maybe she loves jana more to just be like bamf out of there when he starts doing bad stuff that's weird yeah she definitely would have been all up in his business i don't know strange Strange goings on here in chapter seven. Yes. Chapter eight. Jaina and Zek arrive in the palace of the Queen Mother just moments after the Millennium Falcon has escaped the planet. They're still somewhere in Hapen space, but they've escaped from the palace and escaped from the planet. Just missed them again. Just missed them. Jaina and Zek are always a sniff behind. They get a bit of a rough attitude from the guards. Fair enough. Well, yeah, things I mean, just went sideways. There was just a lot of bad news going on here. But Prince Isolder, Tenelka's father, has thanks for Jaina and Zek, and a hug for Jaina. She, Jaina, reached out in the force and warned Tenelka that something was up, and it saved her life. Flashback to the last chapter... Leia didn't want to reach out to her in the force. Yep. So what are we seeing here? The failure to communicate coming with a very hefty punishment. Yeah. Whole lot of death. 
And now you're on the hook for it. As we they talk about here, it's a bit of a problem because it doesn't look very good for Jaina's parents. But it's nice to see communication be rewarded for once in the books. Like, yeah. Jaina communicates to Tanaka that there's about to be a problem. Problem averted. You are given gratitude. Yeah, and you know? Jane is the only one being honest with anybody. She is the sword of the Jedi. Because maybe that's what it means. When she was talking to the furry admiral there, mm-hmm. they yeah. were being one hundred percent honest. You're right, man. She has been not playing any games so far. She's one hundred percent honest with Zek too. She ain't having it. Yeah. Jane is apologizing to Papa Prince when finally. And I say, finally, Tenelka arrives. Her rust-colored hair hung loose down to her back, and she was dressed in a frock of green shimmer silk that managed to appear as practical as it did elegant. The effect was so striking and regal that Jaina had to consciously remind herself she was looking at an old Jedi Academy classmate and comrade-in-arms. Finally, fin- fi- finally, eight chapters in, we finally get the person on the cover. Eight chapters in to the third book, two full books into the series, we finally get a physical appearance of Jason's secret girlfriend that we heard about so long ago. Let's flash back to book two, Bloodlines. Who's on the cover? Boba Fett. Who's on the first page of the story? Boba Fett. Yeah. Okay. Flashback to book one, Betrayal. Who's on the cover? Jason Solo. Who's in the first sentence of the story? Jason Solo. Come back to reality. Book three, chapter eight. Yeah. Here comes Tenel Ka. Over 100 pages in. That's how long it took. Now imagine how important she must be from here on out to be made cover model of the of the novel yeah if you don't even show up for the first quarter of the book well she's busy she kept Han and Leia waiting seven hours she's been having a man meat survey she's got things to do yeah but she's finally here all I know is that that was pretty rude Troy yes yes, it was I've been dying for Tenelka all this time Mr. Denning and Tenelka finally shows up and she tells Jaina and Zek that it's looking pretty bad for Han and Leia the evidence is confusing, but mostly against them. They were seen attacking loyal guards. They were seen attacking traitors. And then they were seen escaping with the head assassin. Doesn't look good. It definitely looks like they were in on the plan. This is Durgejin sitting at his desk. Checking that one off the list. Plan in motion. Suckers suckered bait taken it's happening and it's working that's what they were sent there for and he freaking nailed them yeah but they're being given the benefit of the doubt for the investigation because of all of their close personal relationships tunnel can't she finds it hard to believe that han and leia would be trying to kill her so they're giving her the benefit of the doubt jana says thank you how can i help 
Prince is older, wastes no time. Give me all the Falcons' fake names. That would help. That would help us figure out where they are and not kill a bunch of innocent people or harass a bunch of innocent people. Yeah. And Jaina hesitates. Jaina's mouth grew dry. She was being asked to choose between her loyalty to her family and her duty to the Jedi Order. And she was well enough trained to realize that her decision really did not hinge on whether her parents were guilty of anything. A member state of the Galactic Alliance was asking for information regarding an attack on its government. And as a Jedi Knight, she was obliged to provide it. Yeah. Like we said, hammering home that point in the early goings of this book here. The loyalties are divided. Yeah, but hers seems to be the most stable, most in line. Yeah, but she's also being offered the most cut and dry yeah. kind of responses where it's, well, okay, what has she done so far? Um, it was you uh, you fly a mission for the GA to take Trallis because that's your duty. You're a pilot. You do what the government tells you to do. Bam, yeah. you go do it. Um, your brother is now your commander and gives you an order you don't like. That order you don't follow because it came from your brother. Yeah, yeah. If it came from somebody else, I wonder. Yeah. But it comes from your brother who you are out of touch with and you think is dipping in the dark side and you turn down that order. I never I never thought of it that way. I never thought of it. Yeah, she just didn't do it because she didn't want to listen to her twin brother. Well, not even not even just well, not like just petty that, like that, but, yeah. but all of the back story that comes with it where I think you're you're coming from a dark place. Yeah. You know? And so then again, for her, that's a pretty cut and dry decision. Yeah. Like that's bad. I'm not doing that. Now come to this pretty low risk because her parents are being given the benefit of the doubt. She knows they're probably not in danger. Tunnel cause not going to kill them when she captures them. Yeah. So again, kind of the easy choice to choose your loyalty here. What if the scenario was different and they were going to kill them? Do you think that she would tell them? No, no, not, no, not at all. She wouldn't. She would betray her oath as a Jedi and her military, whatever her uh, connections may still be in her heart. She would betray it all for her parents if the stakes were higher. She hesitates even at these low stakes, man. This theme keeps getting reflected spread across everybody. And now we get to see it more and more in Jaina as she's taking on a bigger role in the narrative. Yeah. She's getting more pages. She's getting more decisions to make. More decisions. And, and maybe these early ones are going to be pretty black and white. But moving forward, I bet you she gets the same kind of gray that everybody gets. You know? Yeah, it, but even with the black and white choices, the ones that you'd think would be easy, they're still big choices. Big things to decide to do. Like, do I give them all of the Millennium Falcon's transponder codes? Yeah. If I say no, well, then she's not just betraying her Jedi Order. She's betraying a friend. Her friend, Tenel Ka, yeah. Like, a whole bunch of things. If she says, yeah, okay. She's betraying the government. She's betraying... Yeah, it's their big decision. It is complicated, but at the same time, the right choice is obvious. And the other yeah. choice doesn't really yield any benefit, right? Not telling them doesn't help solve the mystery and clear her parents' name. 
it in fact looks more suspicious. So it, it it's kind of uh, negative to what she wants to do. Yeah. If she doesn't tell them other things, I don't know. I can't think of a second point. It's late, yeah. but we're gonna. I bet you we're gonna see her uh, decision points get more gray as we move forward. And I wonder what the Sword of the Jedi is going to do with that. But she's got some ideas of how to help right now. She says, okay, I sold my parents out. Maybe that's a big line to cross, but it's the right thing to do. How about I can help you guys. Uh, I'll backtrack the assassin. See how the, where they came from, how they got here, money movements, blah, blah, blah. Talent Cost says, I've already called your brother for that. Oh. Boom. How much do you think that is a foot right in Jaina's crotch? Yeah, that's a Ooh. burn. Ooh, that's a that's a that's a mule hoof to the lips right there. And I'm talking downstairs lips. Talonkaw says it is what he does now, after all. Who better to catch a terrorist in my country of planets, country of planets, consortium of planets, than my secret boyfriend, a.k.a. super terrorist hunter, yeah, Jason Solo, Colonel Jason Solo, who mentioned in the talk with Lumaya, by the way, he's about to get his own Star Destroyer. Yeah. So he's a bit of a big deal. Maybe I'll call him for help. From Tunnel Cow's perspective, it makes perfect sense, right? Why wouldn't you? Yeah. Especially know. with the information that she has Yeah. <clears throat> that other people don't have. Like Alana, he would do anything to protect his family. Exactly. It's the right man to call for secret reasons that Absolutely. aren't going to be communicated, right? Yeah. So there you go with more of that. Secrets. Zach has his own idea. He throws this one out. How about some Jedi babysitters for, as you just mentioned, your daughter Alana? She's also in danger, obviously, if you are. And here we find out that nobody has seen Alana since her birth. What? Nobody has seen Tenelka's daughter since she's been born. She's been kept hidden away from everybody with a private security team. Jaina says there's rumors going through the Jedi Temple that she does like disfigurement yeah, or something. She's... Like why why is she being quasimodoed away? Why why is she not she's a princess for God's sakes? Why is she not in the public eye, you know? Strange. Once again, I want to make a little point here. Right. I think we might have mentioned this before. This is not a big point. This is just a little point. Jason's mom, princess. Jason's daughter, princess. Jason, not royalty. <laughs> nope. Nope. Nowhere. Not royalty. Anywhere. It's not meaningful. It's, it's just, what a weird coincidence. Yeah. What are the odds that a man would have a mother princess, a daughter princess, and him be not no royalty at all uh, whatsoever not a bit yeah that doesn't uh <laughs> you know it's pretty weird i just i don't know sometimes that pops in my mind i'm like that's cool if uh alderaan was still around he'd probably he be a would prince. be considered a prince yeah yeah but that one got exploded yeah <laughs> i don't know maybe you've seen that movie spoiler alert yeah. <laughs> you prefer another target a military target then name it mm-hmm. that was a bad Tarkin, tar- but mm, i like that so that's kind of weird. But you know what's not weird? Jaina is getting mad. Yeah, that's... <laughs> Everything they say they want to help, point. they're being turned down. She's she's talking about how she feels unwanted. She feels unneeded by her old Jedi Academy friend. She's so feisty. Until 
Tenelka whispers, She has a super special secret job for Gina and Zek. What's that secret job? Who's that secret assassin? Will Jason get his Star Destroyer? Will Luke spar Ben into agreeance? Find out next week when we cover chapters 9 through 12 of Legacy of the Force, book 3, Tempest. I'm Justin. I'm Tim. You're not my boyfriend! For any comments and questions, you can hit us up at forevercanonpodcast at gmail.com. Forever Canon Podcast is a Jay Plazer production. Catch us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube at Jay Plazer. Check us out.